Welcome to episode 45 of the Untitled Gaming Podcast. My name is Rick, and I'm joined by Chance. What's up? Pat. How's it going, everybody? And no Zach. Zach's actually wanted in a series of dog nappings, so he's being questioned by the police. Yeah, and it's... the the. the accusations beyond dog napping are actually quite disturbing and we will not go into them but chance back from the uh cactus and lampos festival how was that uh it was pretty good it's your third year going right the third year i've been there every year it's like a family tradition now and uh yeah i saw some of my favorites like the prickly pear <laughs> Jump, jumping chola some you know the classics what well, how was the lampist you were freaking out about I mean, they were nice. Face. I mean, they're like nice glowing cactuses, but they're a pain to turn on and off because like, like you get pricked pretty much. <laughs> Alexa has really revolutionized the lamptus. Yeah. yeah, that's probably the best way to do it so you don't have to touch the lamp. Say, Alexa, please turn on lamptus. Yeah, I'm sure they'll have that uh, as a prototype on the fourth annual cactus and lamp. I will be there. Oh, man, I'm jealous. Can't wait to hear all about it. All right. If this is your first time tuning in, welcome. We are a weekly gaming podcast that aims to entertain as well as inform. We discuss this week's biggest gaming news, game reviews, and impressions, and talk about the gaming industry in general. Of course, we don't only talk about games. We also occasionally talk about movies, TV, and our favorite caffeinated beverage. Ooh. You want me to start? Yeah, you you chose the... (laughs) Pepsi Max is pretty good. A weird thing to say. Mine would be this... Knock off real sugar Kroger brand Dr. Pepper. You mean Mr. Pib? No, it doesn't called... have a medical license. No, no, no. Rick. no. Get this. Their knockoff, like real sugar brand, is called The Physicist. Because <laughs> it's physicist? Yeah. Oh my God. That was the best freaking name I ever saw. I bought an APAC just because they come in APAC because they're real sugar. But yeah. That's awesome. By far my new favorite caffeinated drink. And Chance? I don't know. I don't drink the caffeinated stuff. I see you taking. Huge buckets of Mountain Dew Kickstart every time you go to Taco Bell. Kickstart, I guess. Yeah, I really like Kickstart. <laughs> I guess that has caffeine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, this week we will be discussing uh, Bleeding Edge, a new game from Ninja Theory. We will also be discussing uh, exclusives for you know, platforms. Are they dying? Are they starting to go cross platforms? And then a very special Rick special, which has been planned. Usually I like to surprise you guys, but I gave you a little heads up. I did not prepare. Neither did I. I'm, I'm going right from the heart. Okay. Yeah, same here. Also, I'm going to see what you guys say so there's no repeats. Uh, first, what have you guys been playing, Pat? Uh, I've been playing Halo. Uh, I got back into Halo, and pretty much every night my brother will text me like, want to get on Halo? And I'm like, fuck yeah. But then he is terrible, so we, every time he wants to play ranked, but he drags down the fucking team, so... He'll complain, like, oh, I just went down in ranking again. I'm like, so did I, because where the fuck were you? <laughs> it's just, it's super annoying. And I keep saying, let's just play social and, like, have fun. But he's like, no, let's play ranked, because then what's the point? And I'm like, god damn it. So, frustrated with that, but Halo is still awesome. And then I did start playing Bleeding Edge, but we'll talk about that a little later. And then finally, I did beat Prey, and I'm really excited to discuss that. That's our game club game of the month, for those of you who want to participate in that and our deadline for that is what in two weeks or next week uh yeah so basically you have the rest of august to play it and then at the end the last week of august we'll have our reddit discussion go up and you can just participate in that and then we'll use the reddit discussion as a jumping off point for uh our actual podcast discussion which would be the first one in september wonderful and chance what have you been playing 
Well, I've been trying out that new uh, solo mode in Apex Legends, which is a lot of fun, I guess. They changed the map a little bit and made all the little changes that they do. They reduced the elevation because it's so low. No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm going to take a clip uh, of you guys laughing and edit it here. <laughs> well, that and I've been doing my homework playing Prey. I'm having fun playing it. Yeah, I have not touched anything except Lego Batman 2 Beyond Gotham, and I am not ashamed. Uh, my nephew has beaten the game. My nephew is like fucking six. So, yeah, like I, I, I'm kind of ashamed that it's taking me so long, but some of these puzzles are a little rough, and I'm not looking at the internet. It's just going through it and figuring out how dumb I am than looking at the internet when I think I'm pretty freaking dumb. But yeah, Lego Batman 2. I'm not ashamed. I have not played anything else. I think I picked up my Switch to play Hollow Man. or is it- Hollow Knight. Hollow Knight. Hollow Man. <laughs> Hollow Man. <laughs> Hollow Man 2. Invisible, no. uh, Kevin rapist. Bacon. Yeah, yeah, he was a rapist. <laughs> <laughs> he was a rapist. That was very disturbing. Uh, no, Hollow Knight, I picked it up for maybe like three minutes, but Lego Batman 2. All right, now let's get on to some housekeeping. Pat? Yeah, well, I already mentioned Game Club Game of the Month, so obviously get on that. Uh, join the subreddit at our TugPod. Uh, we also have our giveaway going on. Uh, we're giving away Borderlands The Handsome Collection. For PC, uh, all you got to do is you got to go to our Twitter at TugPod. You have to follow us and then you have to retweet that tweet that's announcing that giveaway. And then we'll pick a random person next week. So you still have a week to get on that. I would say somebody won uh, yeah. the new Wolfenstein game last week. Jonah, I think. Jonah yeah. Art. Sounds from a, jo- Jonah won uh, uh, Wolfenstein. So I think he's Jonah killed. James Jonason. Jameson. Yep, that's him. Yeah. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> He's probably killing Nazis right now. So, All right. Well, our first topic is Bleeding Edge, uh, which is a new game by Ninja Theory. Uh, more of Overwatch style, but third person and includes melee combat. It has four on four. Combat designer of Devil May Cry. Uh, based around combos and synergy around your characters. Yeah, so... Uh, Basically, this was announced at E3 uh, 2019 on the Microsoft stage. It's like Rick had said, it's 4v4 uh, online. Uh, instead of it being a shooter like Overwatch is, it's, it's focused on that melee combat. So they have like 12 unique characters and each feels like distinctly different. They all have different styles and like one of them is like a, a grandma who like has like witch powers and she can put you in a cage yeah she's like very um just like my grandma she's like (laughs) yeah she's kind of like a slow character like she's not very agile but she's good at like shutting people down and shooting them from a distance yeah so they they have uh three different categories or three different classes for the characters that are each divided up into it so you have the assassins who like are quick they deal damage uh they can be like stealth characters they're the ones who kind of just Go in for the kill, but they need to get out quickly because they don't have a lot of health. And (laughs) (laughs) fucking Zach's here. (laughs) And we have to take a quick pause because Zach has finally shown up. I guess the police let him go. We're going to... He got released. I'm just going to assume he escaped. Anyway, if you guys are just joining us again, we took a little short break because Zach is officially back with us. Hello. The police released him? Yeah. I was arrested? He was wanted for questioning in a string of dog nappings. But apparently they were satisfied. He really wanted that Napoleon Mastiff. I do want a Napoleon Mastiff. And a Pitbull. We got him. We got him on tape, guys. (laughs) We got him. I just said I want him. I didn't say I did it. But the way you said it, that's motive. Like the the look in your eyes. Like you wanted that dog. You fucking (laughs) sicko. I don't blame Zach. But anyway, getting back to us. 
topic here. Uh, so there's 12 characters. They're divided up into three classes. There's the assassin. I've already discussed that, actually. Then there's support. And they're, that's pretty self-explanatory. They provide support. So they're like the healers or like... Shields. Yeah, they give you shields or uh, one of them puts like a barrier up. You can block people off uh, from objectives, from your from attacking your teammates. Yeah. So um, they kind of help. You need them in order for the assassins to actually do their part and do the damage and get out quickly. Uh, and then you have the tanks, which are the like heavy damage dealers and... Uh, they're the ones who like can take the most damage and keep the attention drawn to them, kind of. Yeah, like they're the hardest ones to kill. Like they're really annoying. Like they're always up there. They're dealing okay damage, but like they're just so hard to kill. And their abilities do misplace. No CC abilities, crowd control, so they're moving people around, and they're just annoying to deal with. There were different varieties of tanks, and there's different varieties of all those classes. Um, I mean, you had one El Bastardo. <laughs> whatever yeah. he was like more of like a bruiser he had like the two dual wielding uh machetes or oh ch- okay machetes <laughs> i don't know why i was thinking of chainsaw <laughs> and uh he had a sombrero and he did a little dance when you taunted there was also uh, not, uh hawaiian I, dude i'm gonna forget names no he was new zealand new zealand accent yeah, he kiwi sounded, yeah he sounded like uh Korg- Taika. Korg, Korg, yeah from uh <laughs> thor ragnarok and he had he's like part machine so like the middle part of him is like a, a sphere, like think BB-8. So like a gyro kind yeah. of like moving. moving and it. his like uh, like continuous attack is him just reaching his hand out and slapping you like this <laughs> over and over. I know you can't see me doing that on the thing, but he's just extending his arm out and slapping, like moving his hand left to right and slapping everybody. And then like, his moving was like some kind of squatting like stance and you can like, like a sumo stance or something. It was pretty funny. Yeah. But, so a lot of unique characters. Um, we're not going to go in depth in all of them. Just look at the trailer and you can see. Uh, there is one that's a snake who has taken over the body of someone, like a, a corpse. A New Orleans kind of like looking yeah. kind of character. That, like, a like a witch doctor kind yeah. of. Yeah. But it's like the snake is the character and it's just taken over the body of this witch doctor or whatever. So it's like got these lurching movements and stuff. There's a heavy metal guitarist who has like an axe on the end of his guitar that he can like slam down and stuff. Uh, it's, it's like all these characters are very well, like uniquely designed and stuff that I haven't seen before. It's a very unique style. And I think that's what already sets it apart from a lot of different games. They're doing like this closed alpha. And that's why I was like invited. Cause I signed up. You can still go to their site and sign up, but basically what they're doing is started June 27th. And then they're inviting people in waves uh, and they send out these invites and these people play every Thursday from like 9 p.m. to 12 a.m., depending on the time zones that you're in. And uh, you play for three hours and then they have the, the dedicated forums. So you give their feedback. Uh, they actually sent me a survey when they saw I had played and actually taking feedback into account. So like they were asking me questions like, what can we do to make the uh, intro, like the uh, tutorial section of it better? How was your matchmaking experience? Did the team seem balanced? Stuff like that. So they are improving it. What I did notice is like for an alpha, it did seem like a very stable build. I didn't run into any crashes or any bugs or anything. Uh, Oh yeah, the only thing I can think of is the turret possibly shooting you through a wall. But that's like the only thing I can think of. Stuff that I'm sure they're going to fix in the year before this game comes out. There's 12 characters at launch. It seems like the kind of game where they can easily add just DLC characters for you post-launch as like DLC, kind of like Rainbow Six Siege does. Just have like a steady stream of content, so I can definitely see this being like a 
games of service type game. The game modes that we did play, uh, they only had two available. Uh, One was capture the objective, which is kind of like your standard capture the objective, but with a twist. So uh, depending on the map, the objectives were either activating or deactivating or actually moving around the map. Like one map had this uh, pad that you stand on and it's like on a conveyor belt. So it goes around the map, but then it'll go through this like electric, electric gate. barrier gate, which thing. would force people to get off of it. Yeah. So it keeps people from camping on it and stuff like that, which I thought was really cool. Puts everyone on even playing ground. Like you can't just camp there. It makes you move. You have to get back on the objective. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the other game mode that they had was like collect the power cells. I forget what it was actually called, but there's two phases. So one phase is like the collection phase. So all these power cells spawn on the map at different locations and you have to go and you have to destroy them and collect the power cell and then at during the uh deposit phase you actually deposit these at a strict location you can hold as like as many as many as you want like there's no limit from what i saw yeah so there's like a lot of strategy because i think it shows um next to their name it shows how much they're carrying so um maybe it might be beneficial to hunt down certain characters that you know are holding a certain amount of power cells go after them Yeah, basic thoughts on the game. The tutorial level kind of just went through the basics of the game. It didn't describe any of the the game modes. So like that power cell game mode, we kind of just had to... We were so confused. We were like, what's happening? We had to learn as we're going through it. The matchmaking did seem a little imbalanced too. So uh, I know the first game that you played, one of of your people quit. And then the other team was just like destroying you the entire time. Yeah. The maps did seem a bit large for 4v4. Uh, everybody has a mount, so you can get on like either a skateboard or like a hoverboard. Like or a character a, turns into a vehicle. A bicycle or like, yeah. Like, yeah. Like it, it was, I mean, you mount up pretty quick, but yeah, you, yeah, it's kind of like paladins where like you can get on like a, a mount and you just helps you get around quicker, but it's just annoying sometimes because you have to stop what you're doing, click it. Then you got to as does like a three second animation, and then you're on the yeah. mountain. And, and you if go. you move during the animation, if you press any other button during the animation, it'll kick you out of it. So you can't get on your mount. You have to just stand still, press the button, and wait for it to go through it. That was kind of annoying to me. Uh, I did feel like if the if the maps were actually a, a little bit smaller, you wouldn't even need the mount. Uh, maybe you could increase like each character's movement speed by a little bit, and then just take that whole thing out. And there's a balance there. I'm sure they'll be testing it and figuring out what the best way to handle that is. Overall, I was impressed with how stable it was for such an early build. Uh, the game was fun. These characters are pretty unique, so I'm excited to see how it evolves. Uh, I'm obviously going to keep playing in the alpha, and you know it's coming to Game Pass, so obviously I'm going to play it. How do you think this game will uh, measure up to the giant mega game, which is Overwatch? I don't see it being more popular than Overwatch because Overwatch is it's like the Call of Duty. It's like the juggernaut in its genre. hero shooter genre. And this is like the Titanfall. Yeah. So this is like a different aspect of it, but I don't see this overtaking it in popularity. This is just another option. Like one thing that this has over Overwatch is that over Overwatch sounds weird. <laughs> one, this has a leg like up for forever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so this has a leg up on Overwatch because each of the characters has two different supers that you can pick from. So at the start oh, of the game, so not like stuff. yeah, oh, that's nice. when you pick the character, you you pick which super you want, and then you can play the rest of the game as him or her or whatever with that super. So two different specializations, kind of. Now I don't know if you like covered this already. Um, 
Because in Overwatch, like you can switch your classes, right? Can't no, you can like, switch can't... characters mid-game. Like mid-game, which right, you, you can, can in this character. game too, which is yeah. really cool. So if you switch to a new character, does it give you the same option? You pick. A yes, new exactly. Super? Okay. Yeah, so yeah. you can switch between supers too. I, I, right. Like I didn't try it, but I assume. Like I assume, like if you switch to a character and then switch back to the one you were initially using. Yeah, it'll let you give you the choice again. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like that's uh, another thing was like the customization and stuff. I really liked that over yeah. Overwatch. So the. Uh, like the assassin that I was playing was his super was he creates like a, a ring and then anyone any enemy in that ring he'll just keep slashing for like five or six seconds and that's his super that I picked and then the other super um, that I had the option was is you pick one enemy and you for five seconds they're marked for death so they'll take more damage and if you kill them you have the option to within five seconds reactivate that same super and target someone else so you could kind of chain it to four different people so either focus everybody or focus on one person at a time was the two options there so it does seem like even if you're facing someone on the opposite team who is the same character they could play different than your character so there's a little bit more variation there like um the game had mods you can only equip three and they changed your health they changed your mobility they changed damage for certain abilities or like you know duration of abilities and i think that's really cool because you can play as a character and play them in different ways. Like, I like playing the healer. Obviously, she doesn't do a lot of damage, but some of her mods made her attacks do more damage, so I could play her more offensively and still have heals and stuns. And um, I really like that, because that will keep me engaged in that one character instead of quickly getting bored, because it's going to be, you know, cut and paste over and over again. So I kind of really like that, because Overwatch, it's like you play Zinyata. My favorite character is Zinyata. He's a healer. Like, kind of slash DPS, like, that, that's all he is. Like, yeah, he can't be one or the other. He there's one to... way to play that character, and that's how every per person who plays that character plays it. Yeah. In this, there's more variation depending on the mods you pick, and then also depending on the super you pick. Uh, that could also be another DLC thing they add, like, a third super. But Overwatch has advantages right now because they have way more characters. Yeah. So, yeah. That, but, like, you could see this having... Yeah. Like that kind of spectrum, yeah. I guess, would be the... Right, yeah, it's right, kind of interesting because right. every character also had levels, too. So I think you can, like, level up a character. That's which... how you earn the mods. Like, you start so off I... with three, and then the more yes. you play, the more levels you get, the more mods. So that's the thing that, that may be weird to, like, balance is because if you're having a... High... I mean, obviously, they're not going to level... We have high-level people play low-level people because that'd be a massacre. As long as they're pretty balanced, it shouldn't... It's, it should be, like, you're picking your advantage in whichever area. It shouldn't be, like you get the biggest advantage. Kind of like um, the assassin I was playing, the mod that was already unlocked was 7% extra damage to your attacks. So even at the like level zero character, you have 7% extra damage that you can add to your attacks. So I guess you should have more options was, at higher levels, which you're, yeah. cap you're more capable of doing other things that you yeah. can't do at a lower level. Like I didn't see another, because you could see all the mods even though you didn't unlock them. I didn't see one that said like, 20% extra damage or something. It's, it's not like that. It's like different things. So less cooldown or, you know, you focus in an area. It's not like you keep beefing up one area, if that makes sense. But yeah, overall, I'm excited. And Ninja Theory is a great developer. So it's weird that they went from Hellblade to this, but I'm still, I'm still down for it. What's the news? What's the news? Not slow news. Well, not slow news, where we, uh, I just rattle off news headlines and you guys have one sentence to respond. Halo Infinite creative director leaves 343 Industries. I mean, this late in the game, they've probably already had their vision, like, ready, and now they're just doing bug fixing and stuff like that. So I don't think it's going to affect Halo Infinite too much. 
Yeah, I was pretty much thinking the same thing as Pat. They're pretty much they're pretty much done with their what they're planning on doing. So, uh, Jason Momoa halts Aquaman two production as uh, he protests major Hawaii construction. I'm glad that he's standing up for his principle, but they should just cancel Aquaman just on principle or something because that movie and his superhero are terrible. Yeah, can I protest just Aquaman two in general? Yeah, I could give two shits about Aquaman. You could give two shits. Yeah. Ewan McGregor in talks for an Obi-Wan Kenobi series for Disney+. Plus. I'm super excited for that. Yeah, I'm surprised he's coming back, but I'm totally down for it. Superman prequel Krypton canceled at Sci-Fi. Never saw it, never will. Superman sucks. Peter Fonda died today at 79. Rest in peace. This day takes a heavy toll. You really killed the mood of this. <laughs> Thousands, boy, or thousands call for boycott of Mulan after Disney star of the movie seemingly supports Hong Kong police force. I mean, isn't like Mushu not going to be in this thing or whatever? They should have been boycotting it for that. Wasn't Eddie Murphy the dragon? Yeah, Eddie Murphy was Mushu. Yeah, and he's not in this? I don't think so. What? Why am I hearing this now? What? I'm really pissed. <laughs> yeah. We should just boycott all these movies. After and that I... was not slow news. Okay, well, fuck me then. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you gotta be fast. I didn't get a chance to see <laughs> you. need to interject, man. What the fuck? <laughs> Our next subject on tonight's episode Our exclusive is dying. An interview with Game Informer, Matt Booty, Matt Booty, head of Microsoft Studios, said that first party studios such as Double Fine and Obsidian might still be able to create games for rival platforms in the future. Yeah, um, the actual quote was. I think the question is less binary about should it be on Switch, should it be on PlayStation, and more does it make sense for this franchise. And then he's like, but obviously we're going to have our big franchises like Forza, Halo, Sea of Thieves, where the where those games are designed from the outset to really exist on Xbox. I think that'll continue. So obviously the big franchises that really are like the Xbox mascots are not or halo right. yeah though they're on pc yeah. so they're not exclusives uh, with quotes but for like the console but yeah you'll never see halo I mean, on the ps4 I, I think like for one thing it obviously depends on like what game it is but, like these like smaller games are almost not necessarily indie games but, like these smaller games they don't need to be exclusive that's they need to be on everything yeah that's not where your money's coming from and if you want this um studio to grow it benefits from being on other platforms and having that kind of exposure. You still have it as a first party studio and let them go out on other platforms and stuff like that. Yeah. It can only benefit them. I mean, this isn't the first time we're hearing about this either. Like Cuphead is coming to Switch. Minecraft is already on every platform. Obviously they bought uh, Obsidian and uh, Double Fine while they were already in production of games. So both Outer Worlds by Obsidian and Psychonauts 2 are going to be on these other platforms. You may as well get that money. Yeah. I say, if you buy the you know the studio, you make the games, you get that money. Yeah. So, like Microsoft, uh, Quantic Dream uh, is talking about their future games, and they're the developer of games like Indigo Prophecy, Heavy Rain, Detroit Become Human, right? Yeah, great game, by the way. Detroit. The other one's not uh, really. Uh, David Cage, who's the founder and head of Quantic Dream, basically announced that every game going forward that they develop is going to be on every platform. This is kind of weird because until recently, they were pretty much a second-party studio for Sony. Yeah. Like Heavy Rain, Beyond Two Souls, which you didn't even mention before. (laughs) All those were like PlayStation exclusives until obviously Detroit and uh, I think Heavy Rain and Beyond Two Souls all came out on pc just like last month or something so it must have been like some kind of contract or something that expired and now 
they're like the floodgates are open so they're like fuck it everything's everywhere because <laughs> we want to make the most money possible that seems pretty similar to uh, uh remedy in microsoft situation recently right yeah because uh, alan wake quantum break all those were xbox exclusives but obviously recently with control just coming out in two weeks can't wait uh that's coming to multi-platform so uh both these like second parties which were close to both sony and microsoft uh respectively are now going full multi-platform so obviously there's a benefit to doing that that they didn't see with just having a close relationship kind of like kojima productions and recently people on Reddit have been kind of pointing out that the marketing for Death Stranding doesn't say only on PlayStation on the box art, which most exclusives yeah, like tell pretty loudly. Yeah, like Days Gone, God of War, all of those, the box art clearly states only on PlayStation. Well, back in 2015, uh, there's a press release that did refer to Death Stranding as a PS4 exclusive. Yeah, I think that was uh, somebody from Japan, like Kojima Productions saying it and they were translating it. So people were at the time were like, oh yeah, that's just a translation error. They didn't mean to say that. But obviously I think with them, because even now on the PlayStation's official website, they removed Death Stranding from the actual list of PlayStation exclusives. So I think that's the Mm -hmm. most telling of all. This is the list that Sony's saying are exclusives and it's not on that list. I mean, they officially, they haven't announced it so far. It's only been announced for PS4, but it's a strong possibility that this is coming to PC. Maybe not day and date as PS4, but if I was Kojima Productions, a new studio with a new IP, I'd probably want to get it to the most people possible. So with all this talk about games going multi or multi-platform, are exclusives becoming less important? I kind of think so, because we've been seeing less and less exclusives. Like PS3, you had three Uncharted games, you had two God of War games, and then you had, like, two infamous games. You had so many exclusives, and now it's like we have, what, God of War, uh, Horizon Zero Dawn, Spider-Man, we're getting Ghost of Tsushima, we're getting Last of Us 2. Like, it's either there's been less exclusives because they're not as profitable, or it's just taking longer to make these games. Like, in the span of the PS3, Naughty Dog made three Uncharted's and a Last of Us. And so far, we've only had the remaster of Last of Us. We don't even have Last of Us 2. We've gotten one Uncharted game and one spin-off Uncharted game. But that's still, like, this generation's about to end. Next-gen consoles are coming out next year. That's three less games than what we've normally gotten. So I think the opposite because like, otherwise, like, what's the reasoning you're picking one console over the other? So my argument is exclusives are important, don't get me wrong, but you don't buy a console for a single game. I, I can't think of any console I've bought just because of one exact game and then I've only played that one game. Well, no, I mean, It's a library that no, develops no, I understand. Like, You're going to have a library that develops. But, like, Would you buy like an Xbox over PlayStation if that meant you got Halo with Xbox? Like That kind of thing. Now, with the way the industry is going with like xCloud and you know game streaming and everything... I think the exclusives are going to be available everywhere. You're going to be able to play on your phone. So how do you sell that console? Not with exclusives. You sell it with features. You sell it with like Game Pass or like... But then what are you going to do with Xbox now? Like how Halo is the launch game. Yeah, it's a launch game, but they said it's going to be available on the Xbox One as well as the Scarlet. Right, but like that won't be available like on PlayStation. But it'll like, be available on PC as well. So why you don't have to only buy the Xbox Scarlet? No, no, no but to like play most it. like console gamers aren't also PC gamers. 
I like we're talking about like the the marketing or anything like that towards like console gamers because PC gamers aren't going to pick between the two. They're going to keep it on PC. Yeah, that's a different subject entirely. But like if you're a console gamer and you're picking between Xbox and PlayStation, having Halo be your launch game as an exclusive. But huge. if I'm looking at it, I'm like, okay, PlayStation has the better load times it has the better controller it's where my friends are xbox has halo and it has both have the same third-party games i can just use xcloud and stream halo on my phone i'm buying the ps5 because that has the better features so i think the exclusives are less important because they're going to be available on streaming and stuff so that's also under the assumption that playstation has like a significantly better hardware which i really doubt that well that's what i'm saying the features is going to be the important thing that's why microsoft is saying like we can see a future where like, Obsidian releases a Outer Worlds 2 on the PS5. We're going to give you the best experience with Outer Worlds 2. Even though you can play it on the PS5, we want you to buy an Xbox Scarlet because it's going to have 4K, 60 FPS. Uh, it'll have custom controllers that you can make with the uh, labs or the, the website that lets you design the controllers. It'll have the Elite Controller 2. You'll be able to subscribe to Game Pass where you get the game free. Like, all these features, this ecosystem is what's going to sell your console. Not the well, I mean, like, play, okay, like, like Call of Duty, like, people on PlayStation get this stuff first. Yeah, exactly. And stuff like that. You know what I mean? So but it's, it's like, not an exclusive, is okay, what yeah. I'm saying. This is a weird concept. Is Game Pass an exclusive? It technically would be. Like, yeah, you can get it on to Xbox. You can't get it on PS4. You right. can get it on Xbox or PC. Right. With that whole ultimate yeah. thing now, strictly, again, from a console thing, would you add Game Pass as, like, an exclusive in this argument? Are we talking strictly the... Yeah, if we're just now? talking the differences between a PS5 and a Scarlet, yeah, I'm not bringing, Game Pass I'm not, I'm not bringing PC into this. Yeah. They're their own different beasts. So, yeah, that's an exclusive. Yeah. But so, if they add... Because we don't know what they're going to do. If they add streaming capabilities to Game Pass, then if the PS5 has the better hardware, you can just buy the PS5 and then stream any Game Pass games you want on your phone. It is almost like risky in that sense that if Xbox's hardware isn't as good as PlayStation's, then people with the right frame of mind would think that way. And they could lose... But that's why I think they're... Yes, exclusives are going to be a thing because they bought all these studios... But I think a bigger feature that's going to sell the Scarlet is all the functionality. You have backwards compatibility. You have four generations of games coming to this device where PlayStation has said there's going to be PS4 backwards compatibility. We're not sure yet how. I'm not not going as far to say that like exclusives matter more than performance. I'm just saying they're becoming less important. I mean, the main reason you buy a console is not going to be the exclusive. Like there are timed exclusives. Yeah. Like they're exclusive for a year and then everyone can play them. You know what I mean? But if you have it on this, you get to play it earlier, I guess. Yeah, like we saw with Rise of the Tomb Raider. That was for a year only on Xbox and PC and then it came to PS4. So I think you're going to start seeing stuff like that or like, you know. The, but obviously you would never see Halo on PlayStation. Yeah. So I'm, I'm saying but – Except like the mascots will always be on their – console yeah. but like everything most of thing everything else will be but timed around it. outer worlds 2 is available everywhere but you get this exclusive side mission that features banjo kazooie on the xbox version of it so maybe there's pre-order. extra stuff leading you towards the xbox one but they're still getting sales if you have only a ps5 buy it on the ps5 that's still money in microsoft's pocket right like yeah i mean obviously it would be it would be better for us as consumers and then for them to make more money off it. But I, I'm looking at it more like 
the exclusives you have now, I think in that sense, are more important than what they were. When you had so many, it didn't really matter. But now that you only have a few. Well, no, I argue because you had so many, the PS4 looked, or I guess the PS3 at the time, looked like the better option because there were so many unique games. Now it's like, okay, one or two games that I'm really interested on are exclusive to the PS4. But that's not enough reason for me to buy a PS4 in itself when Xbox has the better features that I want. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that makes sense. With the less exclusives you're getting, plus more second parties are going multi-platform and stuff like that, I think the gaming industry is literally shifting to a point where you're not going to see exclusives, like exclusive games. You'll see exclusive features on a game, you know, um, because the Xbox One has the cloud backing it up. You can play it anywhere and it'll carry your save over. If you get on the PS4 or PS5, it's only on the PS5. So, like, would you rather buy it here and get it everywhere or buy it here and just get it in the one spot? So that's how they're going to drive console sales. But they're still going to get the sales from the competitor's console because it's available there. So, yeah, I think that's going to be, like, where we're headed. Which is great. Like, you don't have to get all three consoles. But it's like pick and choose, you You know, what exclusives are good for you. Uh, I'm not saying I'm the Sony spokesperson, but on behalf of Sony, y'all bitches never getting Spider-Man. I already got Spider-Man. Or he has a place. Uh, I know. Zero Dawn Horizon. Horizon whatever. Zero Dawn. I got backwards? (laughs) Yeah. No, no, based on that point, Insomniac is not a Sony-owned studio. They're still second party, technically. So I think Spider-Man original is not coming anywhere but i think spider-man 2 for sure will be everywhere but you know a game that won't be multi-platform paper mario come on <laughs> nintendo come on nintendo make paper mario y'all bitches never get my last of us <laughs> that's true sony out yeah so our exclusives dying not I think dying weird, I think but they're a way to word it but like they're certainly they're not extinct but i feel like they are getting endangered Community questions. Huh? So for those of you who don't know what community questions is, what happens is we will go out onto social media, typically Reddit, and we will ask a question to the community, and then you guys answer it, and we read our favorite ones um, out here on the podcast. So the question I asked this week was, what's one thing you could change about your favorite video game and why? I'll go ahead first so I give you guys time to think about it, if you haven't seen it already. Um, So... You guys remember all the way back to the first episode where we introduced ourselves and everything. My favorite video game is Super Mario Strikers. I think GameCube, obviously. And um, the change I would make would be to have it have more of like a Super Smash um, like character selection screen because in Super Mario Strikers you only get like eight like captains or whatever. You get like Mario, Luigi, Peach, Daisy, Yoshi, Toad, and I can't Waluigi and maybe Wario. I can't remember if he was the eighth one or not. Um, but you only get like those eight captains and then like your minions on the field are like Koopa Troopers or Koopa Troopers, Hammer Bros, like the Mini Bowser people or whatever. So I would like it to have more of a Super Smash thing where you could play as like Link or as like, like anybody. Like her, Pikachu. Like Pikachu. Like, yeah. Like, I think that would be cool to have more. Could not literally think of another Nintendo character. <laughs> I know. I'm you know, sorry. That, Kirby. I'm Samus. Yo, Captain Falcon. There's countless. Sorry. <laughs> this Link and whoever the fuck else. <laughs> I just want Super Mario Strikers with Link. <laughs> well, Link would be cool, but it's just like. For a couple of our responders out here, 
Um, the Ace of Craze said, I'd give League of Legends the OSRS treatment and have the option for, for people to play the game patched from prior seasons. There are relatively large changes to the game every short while, and it really changes how things work. This would give people some flexibility in how they enjoy the game, provided this addition didn't make the player base split too small. That'd be really weird because there's so many different patches that yeah. like no one be playing on the same patch because they just play on the patch whatever their favorite character was fucking overpowered. Well, maybe like <laughs> maybe not like every single patch, but like distinct moments. Because like, what there's I just a lot. I mean, this like, game must come out in 2011, so yeah. uh, I know WoW's doing that with Classic. Right. You know what I mean? Well, you can play like, Classic mind, WoW. My but... mind when I read that, my mind immediately went to Fortnite because Fortnite has had yeah that has like patches. stages like those are very different. I guess. Yeah, but that's different because. In that sense, because there's distinct moments where, like, the seasons change. Classic Fortnite would be, like, season two or three or something like that. And, like, I would love to be able to go back and... And that's pretty much what they're doing now, aren't they? Oh. Yeah. Well, they have, like, time for it. It's a weird concept. And then, last one I'll read out here. Well... Well breastfed. That's what I'm laughing at. That's one of the best fucking usernames. Well breastfed. Well breastfed. (laughs) (laughs) I was so hoping you'd read that one Well breastfed said, my favorite game right now is Siege, and I can't think of anything to change. If additions count, I'd like a replay button, but other than that, it's a great game. I believe there's a comment to that one. Yeah. Uh, well, Pat said Siege is great, but I would love some new game types. Bomb, Secure, and Hostage are great, but a little variety couldn't hurt. But what do you guys think? What, what would be, Pat, you go first. What would be your favorite your favorite game, and what would you change? Hey, sure. I'm, I know. I'm really trying change? to think of something I could change. That I no game is perfect. Do not cop out. There's got to be one thing about The Witcher that hurts. Okay, so what I would change, and this is a very minor detail because you could technically leave it at any point, but the opening area is like such a small, like when you first come in and you do that, like after the tutorial, um, is such like a small section of what the actual game is. I know a lot of people who I talked to who kind of got overwhelmed with the game or like I never got out of that area. But you can literally get out of that area at any time. That's not something the game communicates to you very well. But... If it did, that would make it a better experience for other people, though. So. Yeah, so what about you? Favorite game? One of my favorite Nintendo game. well, probably me, the favorite Nintendo game for me is Pokemon. Like, I Which think one? I meant... Is there one specifically? No, these can talk about all Pokemon games. Okay. Like, well, I mean, the core RPG not the games. question, which is your favorite game? Pick one, it doesn't matter. Just humor him. What? What's your favorite Pokemon game? They can't all be equally good. They're almost all the same game. No, it's just like... I guess it's like I wanted them to add a feature to it. Okay. Well, well, Which game? Name a game and then all of them. All of them. Past and future Pokemon. Which is your favorite Pokemon game? I don't know. I played them all. But which is your favorite? Did I played so many games. All? They're not my favorite. I don't know. I just say well, the first one. I, no. Yellow? Silver? When you think of Sun Pokemon, and Moon? Emerald. I'll just say. When you, when you think of Pokemon, like your the RPG ones you're talking about, what's the first one that comes to your mind? All right. Well, I mean, I, I guess. I do not know what your favorite Pokemon I guess I have to is. say, I don't know, probably like gold, I guess. Okay. Uh, so whatever. what feature would you add to gold then? Yeah. I guess I wish there was like a difficulty, like a higher difficulty. Like every their Pokemon games are so like easy, I guess. You know what I mean? People have been playing Pokemon forever. They know all the weaknesses. They know all the Pokemon. Right. They know all the strength. You know, whatever. Like, I wish there was the thing you make it a little bit more difficult to where people are at a higher level um, and stuff like that. So it's like you actually have to grind a little bit more and put more effort into it than, you know, it's you won't just breeze through it and it's right. not like an easy stroll in the park. Yeah, I do run into the problem a lot of just like over leveling things. 
That's what I do in the that's what I do in the beginning. I pretty much like before I even fight like the first trainer, my first starter is already like in a second form. Do a random Pokemon generator. That's what they do. So you can like the starter it. Pokemon can be like Caterpie, Jigglypuff, and like like Magikarp. <laughs> and you have to choose one of those Don't three. Hate on Magikarp. Absolutely hate on Magikarp. Splash the fuck out of you. Hey, it becomes Gyarados. Eventually. Yeah. I mean you could just go catch a Gyarados. You could go stab cook it up before it even has a chance to do that. It's like this syphilis will eventually heal do, itself. Do it's still eat syphilis. Pokemon in the Pokemon world? No. Pokemon. That's one question that people always ask. Like, do po- people eat Pokemon? They and probably by, have Magic Carp. Realistically, it would be yeah. both ways. In my <laughs> sitting there grilling a Mister Mime. <laughs> <laughs> That's just kind of weird. That's like too humanoid. Like you know what I mean? Like, hey, I mean, sometimes you want a little Pokemon animal, that are more animalistic. Purple you know? flesh. So are we assuming that like normal animals don't exist in this universe? Like, they they have, have fish like, in the world of Pokemon, right? Right. Like, they, like, Every they, time they feed Pokemon, it's always been like berries or like kibble, yeah. kind of like. But food. what what do they eat? They they not eat. They're meat? all vegetarian, I guess. They all eat. Well, actually, there's well, Pokemon there's that are plants. Yeah. <laughs> there's the one that's just a, a cake that they recently. I guess announced. they just eat candy. Oh, there's. I mean, you get uh, there's ice cream Pokemon. So I don't, I don't know. There's ice cream Pokemon. Yeah, there's an ice cream Pokemon. There's a Pokemon that's actually just a set of car keys. What is that? What? <laughs> yeah, you didn't know that. I'm not kidding. I don't want to get this new game now. This franchise has gone to shit. But yeah, I just wish I just wish Pokemon could be harder. That's all. I, I just want. wish it was a better game now that I hear yes. all this shit. Yep, <laughs> getting <laughs> fallen order. So, Brent, favorite game? Ocarina of Time. What would you change? Ability to actually, I'd just make it more expansive. Have Navi be less of an annoying fucking bitch and be able to become an adult or a kid without having to go to the temple of time and be happy like getting humped by those zombie things on your way like fuck that shit yeah you're trying to break some pots to get some money and she's just like hey listen hey hey listen watch out you change navi's personality that makes it a much better game that's like like a snoop dog what's up you do what you do hey is that how or just have it be like a hillbilly voice like yonder <laughs> Over says, there, it just says one word. Be Samuel Jackson for Navi. <laughs> Over here, motherfucker! <laughs> Tired of these motherfucking zombie skeletons coming out of the ground. <laughs> now, very special topic. A, a very special Rick special. Yep, this is a very special Rick special. Um, little background on Rick specials. Sometimes when I host, I run out of ideas, and I'm not that great at writing outlines, so I just make stuff up and throw it in the third act. So, this week, we're going to be discussing first-person shooters, and we're each going to you know, kind of go around and talk about three different per- first-person shooters apiece. Hopefully they're different. Define first-person shooter before we get started. It's a shooter in the first person, for fuck's sake. What if it's a game that can be both? <laughs> first and third person. <laughs> then let's count it. Are you in the first person? And can you shoot? Yeah. What right, What are you shooting? Are <laughs> uh, you talking about arrows? You can shoot arrows. Are you trying to count like Skyrim and shit in this? Would that count? Yeah. <laughs> okay. If Skyrim counts, then another game counts as well. Okay. All right. So the first topic is going to be a first person shooter, which meant a lot to us as, a, uh, as people, as gamers. Uh, the second is going to be one that we have got to play that we feel has evolved the genre itself and that we got to experience during our careers as gamers. And the third is just going to be something that really made us drop our jaws and really surprised us. So who would like to go first? The first one is uh, one that really meant a lot to you. Let's go, Zach. Okay, so 
I don't. I don't know. So like one. So I guess one first person shooter that. Comes what's the about, first person? Sh- what's the first first person, person shooter? That comes to mind. Yeah, the first first person shooter that comes to mind <laughs> that means a lot to me would be Siege. Rainbow Six Siege, right? Rainbow Six Siege. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like I could say Siege without having to like Tom Clancy's Rainbow Tom Six Siege. Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six Siege. <laughs> it, it came out what 2015. I just met. Pat and Matt and Chance, like maybe a year previous. Yeah, I was gonna say you knew me for a year before this. Like, game. right? But like, but this was like the first game we like. I would say like we heavily like played together. That we still play together. That we still play together. It's a game like we we take like months off occasionally, but then we always like seem to hop back in it at some point in time. For those of you who don't know what Rainbow Six Siege is, first person shooter, obviously. It's, it's a five v five tactical. Five v five tactical shooter. I was I was getting to that. If you let me speak, I'll get to it. It's a five v five completely online multiplayer tactical shooter. And there's three different game modes. It's they're all team deathmatch, but there's also a, um, a secure an area in on the map. There's a bomb that you have to defuse or defend, or there's a hostage that you have to rescue or defend. So there's different operators for offense and defense that have their own abilities and specials, and not necessarily ultimates, but different things that they can do. And I think that's about all I can say. Yeah. I quickly describe the game. But like some of our like funniest memories, or at least some of my funniest memories from gaming, whether they were at the expense of myself or f- at the expense of others, were stuff that like would like instantly put me to tears or put my fellow friends here in tears. So yeah, so like there are just a lot of memories and stuff that like came from playing those games. Hilarious stuff. Um, it's also like one of those games. Like it's one of the few games that actually got like my heart racing or like actually put me in like genuine levels of stress. Um, whether it's like 1v1 moments or like when Pat's screaming in my ear to do things when I'm trying to focus in a 1v1 and then when I die, which is a lot. Me. Well, no, it's like if you give me the wrong information or whatever, I'm trying to hear the person you're constantly screaming. I can't do much about it. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it's, it's a great game. It's one of my favorite shooters. So. so obviously the game that means a lot to me as a, like a franchise as a whole is Halo. Uh, if I had to pick one specific game that like meant the most to me, would probably be Halo 3 because I feel like I've played the most of Halo 3 online at least. Um, that was a game that came out like at the perfect time. I was in, I think, sophomore year of high school. So like I had a lot of free time. I didn't have a job or anything. And pretty much every time, I, every day I'd come home from school, I would just go to Halo and then play Halo like religiously. Like there'd be moments where like somebody else needed the TV. So I would unhook the xbox take it to the other room with like this 25 inch tv plug it in there just to keep playing and stuff so it was it was like such a great experience it had like the best fucking multiplayer modes ever you could create your own game types uh it had introduced forge for the first time so you're not only you're making game types you're making your own custom like maps and stuff and it just forge art was a thing people started doing like crazy stuff that wasn't related to like first person shooters like uh, griff ball where everybody had hammers you had to get the ball and score it into the other person's goal in halo like they made a sport in within halo like it was just crazy that game was so versatile and like countless hours were spent playing that it was such a great experience the fps that meant the most to me was uh specifically i guess call of duty 2 um, that was like the first Call of Duty that, that I got into and had a lot of uh, memories and that got me obsessed. I mean, and I'm not saying it's my favorite, but I'm well, saying it's like the one that means the most to me because that was like, you know, I feel like a lot of young kids nowadays, like Fortnite's their big game that, that got them into gaming or something. But like, Or Modern Warfare too. but you're going way back to Call of yeah, Duty Yeah, I'm going too. to Call of Duty too. It's just back when days were simpler and there's like the back then like Call of Duty was one of the best, you know, 
the uh, shooting mechanics were very solid. Um, it was like because they're not. It was like it was like Call of Duty and Halo. Like those are the only games that were, you know, the top notch shooters at the time. And um, I just had a lot of memories. And I played. I remember going to a friend's house playing that all the time. He's not even there. He's just like doing his own thing. I'm just sitting there on his couch playing Call of Duty. Um, talking with talking with friends and people in lobbies and you know freaking out shit. the guy's mom talking, yeah talking <laughs> shit where you where you can't hide and you know your party chats uh, I don't know it was just that was the game that just you know where I got my most memories and what got me hooked on the Call of Duty franchise and that's what I that's what my favorite my, that's what the one that meant most to me uh, first person shooter that really means the most to me would have to be the original Bioshock it was a really fun game to play. Also, uh, it was one of the games that my stepfather really, really enjoyed playing, and I never believed him when he said that he beat it, because he beat it very, very fast. So actually, after he passed away a couple years ago, I booted up his PS3, and I threw in Bioshock in there, and I was like, okay, let's see exactly where he was at, and boom, he was at the final boss. And I was like, that's that's awesome. He actually beat this really fucking fast. <laughs> so yeah, Bioshock really meant a lot to me. All right, so the next one involves... First-person shooters that had an impact on the industry um, and how you feel they had an impact on the industry and how you got to experience that impact. The one that I think of is Titanfall, Titanfall 2. Like, the traversal of Titanfall 2 specifically is so seamless. I've never played a first-person shooter that was more fluid. But like, you have you played a game since then that has better traversal? Well, Apex is similar. But not better. But not so better would you say like they, that's really a, well, well, because something that's defined or evolved the, the genre? I mean, they changed, like, it could, potentially. Like, but it has Well, I mean, like... <laughs> but I'm saying it's not something that's revolutionized the game genre itself, because no other games have adopted that. Uh, but, like, why not? What the better example is, is Apex. Apex hasn't revolutionized the genre, if anything, Well, PUBG. I mean, you it could say yeah, PUBG would... one because it, has, it was, like, the first Battle Royale. Yeah, but it, it's made it like the the ping system. Have, hasn't people started doing that now? Didn't oh, Fortnite, Fortnite started that? doing it. Fortnite had that. So that's a very recent one that would be really good. They've had like other communication stuff in other games before. Like, yeah, but I'm saying that's Fortnite. something that has like ripples through the genre itself. Whereas Titanfall Traversal itself does not, I, I don't think. I mean, you see it in Apex, though. Like almost... It's all a game the by same. the same developer. Yeah, that's a, but that's it's not the same though. Is what I'm saying. Right, but it, like you can see, like, but that's what people talk about though. Like my friends who aren't avid gamers, like they play. Like, I God. wish this was like more like Titanfall. That's, that's I'm saying that's not evolving. I'm just saying, like, fundamentally, that's incorrect. All right, <laughs> like, <laughs> that's Zach's, that's Zach's opinion. Like, now, now, Pat, you don't have to defend yourself. Do you I have, feel like I have to. You just no. attacked me. Just finish <laughs> finish what you're saying. Like, yeah. you think it revolutionized the genre? Yeah, because like now I'm sitting there and I play other shooters and I just feel slow. I could see. I understand that it may not have done it so much in the genre now, but like with Apex, you like compare it to other battle royales, and Apex is the most fluid. And I have friends who aren't avid gamers who play, and they're like, I can't play these other games anymore because this game is so much faster paced. I feel more seamless. All right, so for the game that I picked that revolutionizes the genre, and uh, you might think this is a bad way to revolutionize the genre or you know a good way, depending on what you think overall, but Destiny. The way that they made games as a service a thing. So Destiny Vanilla was not a great experience, but they kept supporting it. They kept releasing expansions, new content. They kept updating it. They were reacting to the community they were kind of open with 
what they wanted to do and then listen to feedback from the people in forums or just people complaining on general. And then they changed it. Then they released the Taken King, which was just a great addition and made that like a great game. Like Siege adopted the games as service model specifically from Destiny. Overwatch. Overwatch is another one that does that same thing where they release a game then they, depending on the feedback, adapt, adapt that game to what the gamers want. That co- They build a community around that game. And uh, you see this not only with first-person shooters, but um, other games in general. Like Fortnite is a third-person shooter that does that. Monster Hunter World is something that's kept that up. Uh, you can argue that that was something that World of Warcraft kind of started with the subscription base and everything. But I'm saying this is just you buy a $60 game. And that game evolves over time. It just gives it longevity. Yeah. Which is really nice instead of just, you know, like Call of Duty, just a game every year. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I like to have a game that lasts several years. Which exactly. Really nice. The game gets better based on the people, the community that are playing it. And that, I think that's, whether you like or hate Destiny, that is something that is going to be the future of, like, the industry as a whole. Uh, my game that I feel like evolved the first-person shooter genre is Borderlands. Piggybacking off of uh, Pat's game, Destiny, I feel like Borderlands kind of inspired looter shooters and the whole, you know, getting guns and gear and stuff that have different rarities and, you know, getting that loot, farming for that loot. Um, Like Destiny, Division, Anthem, you know what I mean? That Like, I feel like what, I mean, they took that step further doing the live service and the MMO aspect, but I feel like at least starting off with like a smaller scale with four players up to four players borderlands really made that looter shooter like you know people want to play that even you can even say that's also similar to battle royales like you know what i mean you want to loot find the loot let's loot let's loot you know what i mean like find attachments find guns and you know what i mean like i feel like that kind of jump started in a sense um battle royales and certain mmo live service games so ah man you guys kind of left me with a lot to kind of pick over, but I'm going to stick with my original answer, which is Unreal Tournament. Um, remember getting that for the uh, Mac 2000? It was really one of the first like like online shooters, uh, playing a bunch against a bunch of different people all over the world. It was pretty sweet. You know, I know you could probably do it a little bit beforehand, I'm assuming with some of the Doom games. Uh, I know Quake, um, I think Quake 3 Arena probably came out around the same time. But I was just looking up images online of like Unreal Tournament and just brought back all these memories of just sitting in my parents' basement and just going nuts. So that really, I feel, kind of helped jumpstart the... Just like the arena shooter genre. Mm -hmm. Not only Doom, but like uh, Halo multiplayer has a lot piggybacking off of Unreal Tournament. So, yeah. All right. Now the third is a first-person shooter that just left you in awe. Something that really dropped your jaw and made you think like, wow, I didn't know video games could do this. And it it's more so enhanced through first person shooters because you're kind of in the mindset and like in the view of seeing all these things go down. Copping out and picking Titanfall 2 again. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, so specifically what I think about as far as like things that make my jaw drop is level in the campaign. Well, the campaign as a whole in Titanfall 2 is great. Um, but there is a specific like level, essentially going back in time, and like the entire level is you constantly switching back in time instantly to get through the level. I was just like, wow, I've never really like I like sat there and I was like, after playing it, I think 
Pat like just played it recently as well, and he was like, "Can you believe that level? That was amazing." It's like I'd never really seen anything like it before. Where you're in the moment, time traveling and shifting phases and all that kind of stuff. So that was that was like my like wow moment after playing that level. Like this is this is amazing. If you like uh, shifting between two things, like a huge map that does that, play Dishonored too. Anyway, so uh, my jaw-dropping moment, Rick already said Bioshock, but I'll kind of twist it and I'll say Bioshock Infinite because that's like – Bioshock was always so different because it started the whole – well, I don't know if it started, but it perfected the whole telling the story through uh, actual audio logs and like notes and like lore in general throughout the world, not just cutscenes. And that I was so used to getting that – you know, you're doing a level, you're fucking around as Master Chief, and then the cutscene happens, and that's when you get the story. With Bioshock, it's like you're finding these notes or finding these audio logs. You're seeing, like, the different experiments or the people, like, roaming around and stuff, and that's how you're getting the story. So you're getting as, as much story as you want. And just some of the moments – I'm not going to go into spoilers – but in Bioshock Infinite, there's some optional audio logs that you get that give you so much in-depth about certain characters. And I'm like – like there's this one audio log that explains why certain characters are the way they are. And like, I heard it and I'm like, holy fucking shit. That is so fucking amazing. And it was just an optional audio log that you might not even have come across. That gives you so much in depth to the character and stuff. So oh, and just the environment too. Yeah. Um, what within the first like 10 minutes of the game, you're it's set the, the lottery twenties. Yeah. Yeah. It's set the twenties. And then like, there's sudden, like you're, in the sky, looking out over everything, and then there's like a acapella quartet singing the Beach Boys. Yeah, and God it's like, knows. what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. And then you you experience like that lottery scene. It's just a great game. Go play Bioshock, and then play Bioshock Infinite. You can skip Bioshock too, but go back to Bioshock too. The first person shooter that I thought was uh, jaw dropping was Call of Duty Modern Warfare Two. So back to Call of Duty, the no Russian uh, mission where it's a huge controversy. Where you literally are like, uh, you literally go into an airport and you gun down innocent civilians. And people thought that was like, you know, crazy controversial to do something like that. It was definitely, that was a moment that was designed to like jaw drop you, like to shock you to to get that. Yeah, it's like you play as a character and you gun down innocent people and like that's what you're supposed to do in the mission. And the whole point of that, not to go back on what we talked about last week, the whole point of that was not to make that a fun thing. That was meant to be a moral choice that you didn't want to do. And they even give you an option beforehand of like, hey, do you want to play this mission? Yes or no? And I accidentally hit no and then I never played it. But I heard it was crazy. You can go back to the settings and change it. Okay. But yeah, it was like... The f- if it was just like one thing, like you, it's like a 10 second chunk or whatever, but it's like in a whole section. It's so a whole level. by the end of it, you're like, holy fuck, like this, it, you're questioning everything. Like I just massacred that, so. all these people. Yeah. As far as just a jaw dropping, uh, very artistic game where it, they, it uses guns, but it doesn't particularly promote any violence whatsoever. I would have to go portal from the very first time you get the portal gun or even before you get the portal gun. Like, that's just, it's such an amazing game. It incorporates physics. It's, it has great humor. It's just a wonderful game. And yeah, for at, oh. at the 360 and PS3 generation, for them to do what they did with like the technology they had is just mind boggling. Like, how the fuck did they get that to work? Cause yeah, like you said, the physics are like realistic physics and instantly teleporting to the other side of the fucking yeah. facility or whatever. Like, it's ridiculous. 
Um, but yeah, I'd have to go Portal. I was going to say Fallout 3, but nah, fuck it. Portal. Hands I thought down. you were going to say Half-Life, honestly. I'm yeah, I was thinking about it. Brought that up. Or... But Portal. Um, I thought it... Doom would definitely get brought up for revolutionizing like the first-person shooter genre. Now that you brought up Team Fortress. Or GoldenEye or the original yeah, Halo. Team, Team Fortress would have been a good revolutionary because I think that spawned like Overwatch and like character, like, you know. Yeah, but you chose Character class characters you know in a too late you chose borderlands i'm just saying that was like a you know you know a lot of people are blaming first person shooters for a lot of violence out there but we just proved that they you know not only have inspired us but the industry itself and i've actually shown some really great artistic you know qualities to them so boom don't judge a book by its cover so that was a rick special well done thank you now it's time for subpar subtitles subpar subtitles wow (laughs) So those of you who don't know, uh, Subpar Subtitles is a game we like to end the podcast with. So we like to take the fact that game developers name their games in the way where they have the franchise title, colon, subtitle. So like Assassin's Creed, Odyssey. Uh, so what I've done is I've taken four real subtitles and one fake one. And it's our panel's job here to guess which one is the fake one. Uh, we've been keeping score all year. So Rick, what are these scores? We have Zach with 13, Chance with 16, and Rick with 26. Uh, Let's get into it and see if you guys can get some more points this week. All right. So, Departure, City of Angels, Dawn of the New Riders, No Remorse, and Red Sun. I'll say it one more time for those of you listening. Departure... City of Angels, Dawn of the New Riders, No Remorse, Red Sun. Chance, we'll start with you. Uh, shit. <laughs> that was not an option. <laughs> what was the uh, third one? Dawn, Dawn of, of the, the New Riders. Riders. I'll have to go with that one. C for Chance. Rick, what about you? Uh, I'm going to have to go... No remorse. And I will have no remorse picking that answer. D for Rick. Zach, what about you? I'll also pick No remorse. All right. So now for the twist. So you guys can either choose to keep your answer, and if it is correct, you will get three points. Or you can choose to say that they were all real or that they were all fake. If you choose all real or all fake, and that is indeed the case, you will get double the points. Total of six. Now I ask you guys, what is your decision, Rick? I'm staying. Rick is staying. Zach is staying. I don't don't think there's any way that they're going to be all real or fake this time because they haven't been in a while, or at least when I was here. So I'm going to have to stick with my answers. All right. I'm not feeling confident one way or the other. So I'm just saying I'm just going to stay. Unless Rick knows something I know, I feel like I'm pretty screwed. What? what? <laughs> Why would Rick have to do what just go? I am the decider. <laughs> no, just do it. Alright. So Departure. Not a real game. Fuck. That was oh, the what? Uh, the novel that Alan Wake was writing in Alan Wake. Shit. Because uh, <laughs> I know the second and the last one. City of Angels. But not real. Is a real game. The Crow, City of Angels. Yeah. Dragon, Dawn, Dragons, Dawn of the New Riders, real game. Crusader, No Remorse, real game. 
Colony Wars, Red Sun. I knew that game. I knew that one, so I was a real game. What do you mean? No, not a real game, City of Angels. Like, <laughs> I know at least one of these games. Like, <laughs> So, no change in points? No change in points. I like it. All right, thanks for listening. Remember, you can catch us every Monday on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify. You can reach us with any questions, comments, concerns, uh, any any advice uh, for Zach with his fade at the Untitled Gaming Podcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to follow us at TugPod on both Twitter and on Instagram at Tug underscore pod. We also ask that you subscribe and leave us reviews. Five star reviews for us. One star reviews for every other podcast. So fucking late, Zach. <laughs>